welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Jamie. I know you've got a heart for the current people. And may God guide you. In your, in your desire to see them one for the Lord. Praise God. Pastor Hamp, thank you and your team for the inspiration and, uh, that you bring us, the work that you do for the Lord. I know they're in here since five o'clock this morning, delivering the meals and uh, being in the hands uh, of Christ extended to, to these poorest of the poor. Amen. And I'm so delighted to have Pastor Jay, of course, and Fiona and Ethan with us this morning. Uh, Pastor Jay is going to be ministering here next Sunday morning, a New Year's Eve um, day, and for the New Year's Eve celebration as well. So he's given me some relief. I'm so delighted to have you here for every reason. Amen. And uh, it's going to be a tremendous celebration to bring in the new year together and to see out the old year with faith and believe God for a better year to come. Amen. And I don't say that out of some sort of vain, uh, you know, sort of platitude. You know, we have every confidence to believe that our God who started the good, will, the good work in us will bring it to completion. Amen. And, uh, I, and I, I want you to have a peace about that. Um, and uh, to that end this morning, I want, I want to share about peace. I think I've titled the message, Now I Can Die uh, in Peace. Amen. That is the title of our message because if Christmas brings anything solid to your life. It has to, if you have a true revelation, true revelation of what Christmas is, it has to bring peace. Because it's so powerful, friends. It's such a, an incredible time of your life. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke. You know the Gospels. Chapter 2. And as you're turning there, can I just encourage you to come in tomorrow again, as Pastor Parker was saying, it can be a very self-consumed day unless we put Christ first. It's a shorter service, but it's a very honoring service, and some of the components are very endearing tomorrow as well from uh, uh, people that have a real sense of what God did for them during the Christmas season. Um, Luke chapter 2, reading from verse 15. It's a long reading, but it's seasonal. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to them, said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the things that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what happened and, when the angel, and what the angel had said to them about the child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Actually, I love the, the King James says Mary pondered. You, you, Mary pondered these things in her heart. There was something that she, we'll look at that word afterwards in the message, but it's, a, it's another translation. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Uh, verse 25. At this time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, and was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and, and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. 
That day the Spirit led him to the temple, so when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the Lord required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. A sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet, was there in the temple. She was the daughter of Hanuel from the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. Her husband died when they had not been married for only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple but stayed there day and night worshiping God and fasting and praying. She came alongside just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Praise God. That will end our readings this morning. There's another verse I want, to, I want you to, to think about because I'm building our thought this morning around this verse. And it's in Isaiah 26 and verse 3. And this is what Isaiah writes. He says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. He, you will keep him. In, in a world of such trouble, friends, such turbulence, so much movement going on, things are melting, shaking, everything that is, seems to be shaken in this world today. But there is a rest for the people of God. Amen. There is a peace that passes understanding. My wife just recently told me she was listening to a sermon by Pastor Carter, and uh, I haven't got to hear it yet, but his title was, All is Calm, All is Bright. Really? And, uh, so the title alone is telling me what that's about. But you know, for that world today, they, they can parrot the word peace. They can talk about the season of goodwill. But there is no peace until the Prince of Peace rests upon and in your life. There's only masking of your troubles. There's only delaying judgment. There's only delay paying the piper for the life that you live. But the Bible talks about a peace that passes understanding. It's a peace that goes beyond human construction. It goes beyond therapy groups, self-help groups. It goes beyond uh, your yoga lessons, amen, or your, your, your meditations. There's a peace that only God can bring into your life because he is the prince of peace. And Isaiah gives us a little glimpse. And I like when he says, he, he will keep you in perfect peace. Do you know, in the Hebrew, do you know what the word perfect means? It means perfect. <laughs> he will keep you in perfect peace. But he's, whose mind, now the word mind is very interesting. The word mind, when it's broken down in the Hebrew form, it means someplace that you mold or form. Where you form or mold your thinking likened to a potter that forms and molds clay. 
It's where you fashion and frame your understanding of reality and the world around you. That's your mind. It's where you process thoughts. It's where you, 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 what, what brings in. And, you know, the Bible talks about whose mind, whose thoughts process. You know, when your thought process is fixed upon the right things, you know, something happens in how you live your life. In other words, you know, what, what are you focused on today? What, what is your mind on? Because whatever is on your mind, friends, that is what's going to come through the manifestation in your life. And this is whose minds are stayed, stayed or committed. It means committed or focused, leaning upon him. And so there is a peace that transcends into the person whose mind is being molded and shaped by the things of God. You know... We have Simeon and Anna. We have the annunciation of the birth of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. The shepherds who were ecstatic because they see and hear angels. They go to a stable side. They see a baby that is quite miraculous. Everything feels different to them. They go back into Jerusalem and they're telling everybody, you know, they're telling everybody in Jerusalem, we've heard these angels. We've seen this baby. This is, we've never seen anything like this before. And I'm sure their, their testimony created a stir. You know, this is a time in the history of Israel where there wasn't a lot of peace. And actually, it was a very turbulent time in the history, just like today for Israel, a turbulent time for the Jewish people. So it was in the time of Christ, where a time of Roman rule, and actually, Rome ruled with a steel rod, friends, with an iron boot upon the necks of the Jews, and now were the occupiers of the Jewish homeland. And so there has been a time where from Genesis 3, right back in the Garden of, uh, of Eden, where God had promised Adam and Eve that there was going to come forth a seed of the woman that would stamp upon and crush the head of the devil. And, you know, throughout all history, we, we, we see the whispers of that promise coming through. But Israel had waned, it had moved, it had backslidden from keeping its mind set upon God. It had, it had moved away from the promises of God. It moved into religion and ritual. And that's what the temple represented. It no longer represented real faith in the promises of God. What it did, it gave people a sense of cockiness and a sense of self-confidence that they could get religion down to a T. They knew how to do the religious talk. They knew how to do the religious walk. They knew how to look pious. You understand what I mean, looking pious? When many years ago when I was making my Holy Communion, they taught us how to be pious. You kept your hands like this and your head tilted. Am I right? Do you remember that? We were taught how to look pious in church. You put your hands like this. Actually, you crossed your thumbs as well. And you always put your head to one side. And you had that sort of vacant look in your eyes. And that made you pious. It made you look humble. You know, the Jews had it down to a fine art. They had done all the rituals of Israel. They'd done everything that was commanded of them, and yet they were as wicked as any other person in the planet. You know, they were, like Jesus said, you're clean in the outside, but inside you're filthy. And there was this hypocrisy that religion has got a great job of covering. The greatest hypocrites in the world are the religious. I don't call myself religious. I'm in a relationship. It's different. Religion never served me. In actual fact, religion broke me. Religion brought me to the end of myself. Religion told me that in my flesh dwells no, no good thing. That I was without salvation. I could not present myself to a holy God with any sense of confidence because I knew he knew my heart. And hide as humanity might to the fig leaf of religion. 
Because that's what it is. It's just a fig leaf that people put on to cover their, their, their theological nakedness before God. I want to tell you, it's absurd in the extreme. And Israel, even though the promises of God were given them as a nation from right through from the book of Genesis, and yet there was revivals, there's, there's been prophets, poets, allegories of Christ, demonstrations of the power of God all through their history. We come to a portion in history where the nation had really become so religious, it didn't know the, the wood for the trees. It, it, it was looking for a Messiah that they'd become so convoluted about. But yet in the entire nation, only two people had a sense of expectation and a sense of peace. That's a remarkable thing, friends. It's a remarkable thing. Simeon and Anna, two devout Jews who preserved something in their life, friends, that got them to the place of revelation of who or what the promise and plan of God was. And it led them to an extraordinary place of declaration. Mary, of course, is, you know, she's catching up all the time with what's happening, it's going to happen with her. This is a remarkable story to her. She's 15, 16, maybe 17 tops. And this baby is born to her, enunciated by an angel. You know, no, no man physically involved in the transaction. A divine being put in, in her womb now brings forth this God child. And all the, all, the, all the whisperings and all the sayings. And now she's in the temple. And Simeon is saying, you know, this man is going to be, he's going to bring the rise of many and the fall of many. And as a consequence of his life, your spirit is going to pierce your own soul. You know, so this, this dear young woman is catching up with the plan of God. But you can, you know, but not so much Anna and not so much Simeon. Why? Why, why, what preserved them? What kept them? They held this little baby in their arms with intense joy. They had something in their spirit because they've learned the secret that there is a peace even when the nation is falling apart. There is a peace that comes from God and God alone because when men and women mold their thinking to what God says, when men and women take into their heart the word of God and live by the word of God, regardless of what they saw around them. And they saw so many, they saw many atrocities. <clears throat> At those times, crucifixions were so commonplace. Rebellions were always going on in the Roman Empire and always going on within Judaism at different levels, sometimes on a catastrophic level, which eventually led to the sacking of Jerusalem in AD 70, of course. But all the time, the Romans, what they would do, particularly to those who were seditious, was crucifixion was the death. And all the approach roads going into Jerusalem were marred with crucifixes with men and women hanging there, dying and moaning. Just as a reminder to the people, don't you dare put a foot out or the same will happen to you. This is the backdrop of the world that the Savior came into. Not a great place politically. No human rights, friends. They didn't exist. People didn't care. It was a time of disaster. But yet Israel had lost concentration, but not Simeon, not Anna. They were at perfect peace. They were in the temple of God. Devout men and women. They were men and women that were pondering in their hearts. Their minds was being molded by the word of God. Their thinking was being molded by God. Like the potter, God the potter was molding him. They were committed and focused to the promise because the Bible says the promises of God are yes and amen. That's the battle of your faith, the journey of your faith. 
It held them. It held them when everything else was falling apart. It held them when men, men and women were just going through the ritual of religion, but their lives were as wicked as any Gentile around them. It held them when they walked to the temple and they saw the crucifixes of people dying around them. There was a steadfast, uh, solid, there was that expectation that God was going to make his promises yes for their lives and for the nation of Israel. They pondered the word of God. They meditated upon it. They looked at it. They believed it, friends, and they believed it steadfastly. And even though the whole nation had got to that tired stage of religion, they're there. And I, I, I began to think just last night when I was putting this word together, I was beginning to think, what are we pondering on? What are you meditating on this morning? What is it? Is it you just worried about the turkey tomorrow? Have we got all the presents in place? Maybe you're worried about an eviction. Maybe you're worried about losing your job. Maybe you're worried about your marriage or your children. Maybe you're pondering on things. Let me tell you, you ponder on those things too long, it will mold your thought process. You won't have peace. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 tells us to be not conformed to this world but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, whatever storyline fills your mind, friends, that's what, it's either going to bring peace or anxiety. It's either going to bring peace or fear. But he says he would keep in perfect peace those whose minds are set upon him. I want you to do a retake. Patrick was right this morning when he said maybe, the, maybe it's taken 12 months of, of the last 12 months of your life so caught in anxieties, so caught in the headlights of trials and troubles and tribulations that you have failed to see that there therefore remains a rest for the people of God. That God's word is true and amen. You are until he says you're not. He has a plan for your life. The steps of a righteous man, the Bible says, are ordered of the Lord. You cannot add one inch to your stature, friends. You cannot make one hair go black when it's gone gray. You can't change anything about your demeanor. Only God can do these things for you. What are you pondering on? What is filling your mind this Christmas? What is molding your thoughts? Are you being conformed to our worldly thinking? And that's why we're coming here tomorrow morning. We are, we are the best at enjoying parties here at Cork Church, and particularly food. But we understand that there's something far higher than that. Can you say amen? amen. We, we believe that there is a foundation in our lives that when given the right attention and the right accreditation, when given that sense of uh, love and mystery and devotion to it, when we begin to give proper concentration, the writer of the Hebrews says, you know, to be careful not to neglect that salvation, that precious salvation. You know, when we neglect that, when we let other thought processes fill our minds, maybe you've been just so busy you haven't been able to pick up your Bible for weeks and weeks and weeks. Maybe months from some of you. Can I just say to you, then you're too busy. Amen. Because there's something far more important. If you have been neglecting that place of your mind and heart set upon him, I know where you're at this morning because I've been there. I know exactly what you're facing. Anxieties and fears, looking over your shoulder, worrying what's coming up behind you, worrying what's coming down the road. But I want to tell you, God is faithful today. The whole idea of Christmas is a reset for us. It's to be able to look upon that beautiful face of that beautiful babe who's no longer a babe, but we look at the picture, friends. 
We begin to see what God has done for us in Christ. Be not conformed to this world. Being conformed means molded. That's what the word conform means. In actual fact, it's like, it's like when you take a cup and you fill it with water. The water fills up the mold of the cup. You know, don't let this world shape you. Don't let lower thinking shape you. Amen. And the lowest thinking of all is your own thinking. It's not even other people's thoughts. You cannot be shaped by even your own bio biological way of looking at life. Some of us are so negative by natural design. You know, we know the different types of personality types. You know, we've all got different personalities. Some are extroverts, some are introverts. Some you can see nothing wrong at all. Others see everything wrong. You can't be shaped by that. You're shaped by what God says. Amen. You, re you reset. You come back. So well, what does God say? What does the word of God say this morning? Simeon and Anna spent their, their entire life molding, knowing that God was going to bring to Israel the Savior of the world. They were prophesying it. They were believing it. And you could say now they're old in life. They're waiting. They're in the twilight years. And yet their faith never waned. I said their faith never waned, friends. Even, even with Abraham, he saw it from afar off, but he never saw what we saw. He never saw the actual seed of Christ that would come from his loins. You know, no friends, but he saw it from a distance. He was looking for a city, the Bible says, whose architect and builder was God. He saw deeper, and I want you to look deeper. I want you to look by, beyond your financial need this morning. I want you to look beyond your emotional need. I want you to even look beyond, beyond your physical need. Maybe you're in pain, but there's a pushing through and say, regardless of my pain, one day my pain will end, amen. One day I will enter into the blessed, the blessed presence of God himself. And that will bring you peace in the midst of your, of your trial, friends. Whatever you're going through, it's not to belittle it, but there's a higher reality. Oh, I want to lift your eyes this morning to ponder what Christmas means to all of us. Well, what it should mean to us. Joshua, when he was going into the promised land, God spoke to him. He says, Joshua... This book, this book, the word of God, shall not depart from your mouth, he said. Don't let the word of God depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate upon it. Day in and day out. And this is what he instructed this man that could, that could have got so sidetracked with the traumas and trials that Israel was going to face. Not just Jericho. There was many cities, many violent peoples in the land of Canaan. They were outnumbered, friends. They didn't know the terrain. The anything could have gone wrong, and things did go wrong. But I want to tell you, when things go wrong, he would keep you in perfect peace, those whose hearts and minds are set upon him. <laughs> Hallelujah. You should meditate. The Hebrew word here for meditate it means murmur with pleasure. It's like walking out the door and says, I've got the golden ticket. It's, 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 it's murmuring to yourself. Have you ever had an exciting event happen to your life where you're, you're just walking along and you're just giggling to yourself and people are thinking, what sort of an idiot is that? You know, you've got this Cheshire cat smile. They don't know, but you're murmuring something. So, see, meditating on God's word would start to do that in your life. When you start to think and lay hold of the promises of God, when you have a glimpse of the glory of God, when you see the plan as it's unfolding, in not just in history and other people's lives, but in your life, it can bring a chuckle of joy. I says, as you begin to meditate upon God's word, it brings a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. It brings a peace that passes understanding. 
And you can imagine late in life, this couple didn't make, they're not married, they're separate couples, but they were devout in the temple, Simeon and Anna. Meditate. He'll keep in perfect peace. And Simeon, this little baby is brought in and he's, he has this revelation. The Holy Spirit comes upon Simeon and confirms that this is what you're waiting for. Can you imagine the correlation of these events on that holy night and the next day? Now, maybe Simeon has heard the rumors that these crazy shepherds came into the city last night or a couple of nights ago and are telling everybody that uh, they heard these angelic voices and, you know, they're probably on the, on the old, uh, the local stuff up on the mountains having a celebration. They're hallucinogenic. Who, who knows, you know, but no, no, these are not any shepherds. These are the shepherds that normally look after the sheep that are going to be slaughtered in the temple. These are devout shepherds. These are not any old shepherds. These are the ones that literally look after the beasts that are going to be the atoning sacrifice in the Jewish temple. They were devout shepherds. They're not anybody's, I want to tell you. And you can imagine their storyline coming in and Simeon's ears get, something's happening. You know, sometimes things happen in our lives because we're not tuned into the word of God. We miss it. Sometimes God is whispering to us promises. Sometimes God is speaking. You know, I heard this morning, even here in our church, you heard not brother, just brother Jamie share what God has been doing in his life. You know, and some can just go whoo, over your head. And Pastor Ham coming up here and sharing about souls being saved by God. Lives being uh, uh, you know, mended, homes being mended. You know, the mercy of God going out and it just goes over your head. I want to tell you, open your heart to the testimony of God because it will begin to bring a peace into your life. Because if God was going to look after them, he's going to look after you. If God's going to touch this man, he's going to touch you. He has no favorites in this house. Amen. If God is going to look after, the Bible says about the sparrow, not one of them falls to the ground without your heavenly father knowing about it. And are you much more important than sparrows? I want you to remember this morning as you begin to fill your mind with heavenly things, as you begin to look upon the face of this baby at Christmas and to see the promise of God. Everybody had given up hope. Israel had lost focus, but not Simeon, nor Anna. And this is what he says. The Bible says he was a devout man. A man that had waited for God. And this is what he says. I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. Now I can die in peace. And I want to tell you this morning, I don't know when you will die or when I will die. I just know one thing that we will all. We've all got a date with it. Some is longer than others, and I hope you have a long, long life of happiness. But I want to tell you, because of Christmas, because of this babe, because this is the promise of God to bring light and salvation to you and to every man and woman in this world, if you have a revelation of that at Christmas, Regardless of the trials, regardless of the political upheavals, the insurrections and the wars and the famines and the rumors of wars, friends, regardless of what report comes in from the doctor, from the, uh, the forecast for the economy, whatever it may be, friends, you will have peace because the Prince of Peace will be staring straight at you, friends. 
That's what Christmas should be. If all you see is a baby in a cute photo up moment with this, this Bethlehem scene, and you just have that sort of pious attitude, then you will never walk in what it really means. Simeon and Anna. Anna is a worshiper. Anna is a fasting and praying woman. She sees the baby. She's lit up. She begins to testify to everybody around them that this is God's plan. I want to say that's why we Christians get lit up at Christmas. That's why we, get, we shout louder than anybody else because for us, it's not some Disney story. It's not some sort of cute, you know, puppy dog story, friends. This is the plan of God. And because this is the plan of God, I can die with peace. Can you say amen today? Because I will, put, I will have perfect peace. Those whose heart is and mind is stayed upon him. I will let my mind be filled with the word of God. I will hold on to the promises of God because Christ who started the work in me now over 43 years ago will bring it to completion. And the same Christ who started his work in your life and there's been many unflattering moments. There's many times you failed him. There's many times and all the times we're undeserving of his glory and of his, of his grace. Yet his hand is still upon you because he said, my peace I give to you. Hallelujah. Everyone had given up. I want you to meditate this Christmas. You need to take time out, Christian. You need to break away from the crowd and the pack. And you need to walk maybe some, at some stage today, tomorrow, the next day. You need to walk on your own and lift up some holy hands to the Lord and say, thank you, Father, for sending Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Holy Spirit, won't you help me magnify that precious name. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Psalm 29, verse 11. Isaiah 26, 12 says, Lord, you established peace for us. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. In Psalm, uh, Psalm 4 and verse 8, it says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. And Jesus tells us in John 14, Peace I give to thee. Not as the world give I unto thee. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. My peace I give to thee. Paul says in Romans 5.1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romans 15 says, and verse 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. That's what Christmas is meant to produce. It's meant to give you hope, friends. It's, meant to, it's the basis of your peace. And as you meditate and as you stay, stay steadfast on the promises of God, you will experience that overwhelming sense of his presence. Philippians 4 verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Oh, I want to tell you right now, I hope you can say it for yourself, because of Christmas, I can die in peace. Because he came into this sin-sick world, into this barbaric Roman world. He knew the hearts. He gave himself to no man because he knew the hearts of all men. As he grew up as a tender shoot out of the dry, out of the dry ground, as he walked the streets of, of the Nazarite cities and then into the dusty streets of Jerusalem, and he saw the, the decay, the brokenness. He saw the the lostness of the nation. As he wept over Jerusalem before he went to the cross, he said, oh, Jerusalem, 
Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you like a mother hen would gather her chicks. But you would not come. Maybe Christmas time, maybe someone watching here, somebody online, someone hearing the gospel for the first, second, hundredth time, maybe a light will go on. That this is the time for you to look again at the babe of Bethlehem. Maybe this is time for you to say, there's more to this story than just some sort of cute story. There is a peace as you begin to put your mind upon what God done. And as you begin to ponder what the miracles of heaven, as he sent forth his son into this decaying cesspool of a world, friends. I remember many years ago hearing of missionaries that went to Colombia. And they, the children of Bogota in Colombia were living in sewers. There were so many children that were, their parents were, they were either left home, they were delinquent, or their parents were dead. And there were thousands of them. And the, the, they had a, a shoot-to-kill policy. The police were shooting at nighttime, killing children. It was all over. Time magazine at the time was doing features on it. The children were being shot. They were a social menace. They didn't know what to do. And so much so that the kids went into the sewers of Bogota, living in the sewers of Bogota. Horrendous children being raped, being abused, but living there, and then stealing and, and raping and doing evil themselves. And I heard of an American couple yeah, an American couple who was used to the high life. And God called them to Bogota. And where did they go, friends? And where did they set up their house? In the sewers of Bogota. They went down into the sewers. They found a patch. They stayed there and built relationship and started to see the church of God grow in the sewer. Amen. And I remember thinking, my, what virtue, what character, what love would do such things to leave your beautiful home and having your shower twice a day if needed and coming in to the sewers of Boga to reach these children. But it is insignificant compared to what Christ did when he left his throne of glory, friends, with surrounded by inapproachable light, by the worship and adoration of millions upon millions of angels. All power was his, and yet he condescended into the womb of the virgin, friends. Oh, if you could only see what Christmas is, if you could only understand who it was, friends, and why he came, then the peace of God, the pastor's understanding, would be your portion. It doesn't mean you're... Hallelujah. It doesn't mean that there won't be Roman oppression. It doesn't mean that there won't be famine. It doesn't mean that there won't be an easy life for you, friends. But what it means is that in the midst of it all, just like Simeon had, and just like Anna had, everybody else is running around with fears in them. Everyone else is trying to shore themselves up, firewall their life, try to make it as easy as they can, like many today. Put a little bit of money away. Get your mortgage and do this, do that. Get your health care, whatever it may be. And at the end of the day, you are still, as the scripture says, the harvest is past, the summer is over, and we are still not safe. But I want to tell you for the Christian whose mind is pondering the truth of God, whose heart is set upon the things of God, who's steadfast upon the message of God, let me tell you that peace can never be taken from you. I said it can never be. In actual fact, in those trials, in those dungeons, it even becomes more apparent. We see it with not just testimonies from our own lives, but others around us. The Apostle Peter, as you preached so beautifully just recently, oh yes, chained together between two guards, awaiting possible execution. Oh, he wasn't biting his nails. He wasn't writing his habitually. No, friends, he was asleep. 
because the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your heart and mind. That's why your mind needs to be stayed upon him. Pondering him. Don't pass over Christmas. Don't make it another event and an afterthought. Ponder. You left your glories of heaven. You knew every pervert in Jerusalem. You walked by the wife beaters. You saw them. They disguised it with their religion. They walked upright, looked like they were righteous, but you know, you beat your wife. You're a pervert. You're a rapist. You're a murderer. You're a thief. You're just a nasty person. You're a gossip. You're a liar. And yet, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting love. Here in this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son to be a propitiation for our sin. Gave his son into the womb of the virgin to be born with all the vulnerabilities. Oh, I want to tell you, do what Simeon and Anna did. Hold that son with great joy. Hold that son with great peace. And let us come together and worship him at this Christmas time and give him the glory that is due his name. And the esteem him above everything else in our home, everyone else in our life, that he alone would be the chief joy of our hearts. Oh, Jesus, we truly come to adore you this Christmas. For you descended into the cesspool of a world. You know the wickedness of my own thoughts. And yet, you befriended me. I put my heart and mind upon you today. And I receive, Lord, your peace. Will you close your eyes just where you see it for a moment? Just close your eyes. Maybe you are in a turbulent place. Maybe, you know, you look like you're well put together. You're in your Sunday best. Maybe you're doing okay in other people's eyes. But only you know the very depth of fear that you are dealing with every day, the anxieties that are crawling back into your life. When the distractions are all taken away and you have to go to your own bed at nighttime, lie on your pillow and stare up at the ceiling. And those, those thoughts come to you, what is it all about? What's it all about? I want to tell you, it's all about Christmas. It's all about Christ. It's all about the babe that came to become the man, to die the death that you and I owe to God so that you and I could become his righteousness, his friends. That's where peace comes. It's in surrendering to him. That's where peace comes is when you hold dearly and look at the face of Christ this Christmas. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to give your life to the Lord this Christmas time. Don't wait till another new year. Don't be waiting for New Year's resolutions and silly things like that. Make a resolution in your heart that today I'm becoming a Christian. It is a decision of the heart. It's a decision of the will. It's a decision of the mind to bow your knee, as it were, at the feet of Christ and say, Lord, I come to worship you, Lord. I come, Lord Jesus, with all my brokenness, with all my fragmented thinking, with all the history that's not very flattering. I come before you. And I bow at your feet. And I say, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. And I give you my life. Forgive me. Forgive me. Thank you for just reaching in 
to the cesspool of my heart. Thank you that you didn't turn your back on me. I deserve you did. I deserve that, Lord. I don't deserve grace. But thank you that you're full of grace, full of love. And so, Jesus, this Christmas time, I give you my life. Is there anyone here this morning? Everyone, every eye closed, every head bowed. Is there anyone? And you just know that the Lord's been drawing you. You know, this is just confirmation. Anyone in line? I don't know when you're watching this. It could be 10 years from now. It doesn't matter. It means God is chasing after you. Anyone here says, you know, I need this peace. I, I need to be able to say, as Simeon said, now I can die in peace. Whenever that day will come, it'll be a peaceful day for me. If you want that this morning, you can have it. Every head bowed. Put up your hand this morning. I won't embarrass you in any way. I won't put, if, if that's you, you say, I, I want that peace this morning. I want peace with God. Put your hand up and I'll pray from here. I won't even mention your name. I won't let anyone embarrass you. But it's in, God bless you. I see that hand. God, God bless you too. I see you too. God bless you too. God bless you. God bless you. God will bless you because it's an honest prayer. God will always hear the honest man or woman. You come and present yourself to the Lord, not in your strength, but in the reality of your weakness. Admit to your sin. Tell the Lord you're sorry right where you are. Tell the Lord you're sorry. Tell the Lord you want him to be your savior. You tell him in your language now. Tell him where you are. Forgive me, Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to have peace. And I embrace the babe in the manger who became the man on the cross and who now is glorified in heaven. I embrace you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. And I want to say, Lord, I love you. And I want to praise your holy name and I want to live for you. And I pray this prayer honestly before you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you've, if you've prayed that prayer, if you pray prayed that prayer, you don't need to come see me. I'd love you to come see me. You can see any of our leaders will help you on your spiritual journey. The reason I say that because Christmas is about salvation. Christmas is about getting right with God. Christmas is about focusing on the peace that passes understanding. And that is yours now. You're on your way to heaven. You're forgiven your sins. You're part of the, the universal body of Jesus Christ all over this world. And he, you belong to him. And he belongs to you. Hold the babe of Jerusalem in your arms with great joy today. And let him hold you. Will you stand this morning as we're going to sing together in closing and worship the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website, www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.